Podcast. This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself, and you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. And today is yet again a special one I have here with me, and it's a topic that has been a lot for me. You know, if you if you look back in all of the podcast episodes I've had, I don't think I've had too many episodes relating really directly to social media. Because I've always had, you know, my own insecurities of like, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. I'm trying to find my way. I'm feeling all these ways about it, but I'm glad I'm finally over it. And I think the universe is trying to affirm that I'm over it by allowing me to talk to people who are great at it, who are <laughs> masterful at the idea, the whole technical aspect and creative aspect of social media. I have here with me longtime social media strategist, all around dope ass content creator, writer, and so many other things. I have here with me, Jade Powell. How you feeling? How you feeling? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that introduction. That was so warming. <laughs> thank you. You know, I've you know I've, I've been I've been you know I've been trying to work on those things on, over the years. But I'm glad. How are you feeling this morning? I'm good. Um, I'm honestly riding off of a high from yesterday. Um, my teammate and I got some good news about our brand. So I'm just like feeling good. Today's a sunny day too. I'm happy. I feel like I seen that. I feel like I seen, well, at least seen you post something and yeah. um, more about that later. But before we get too deep onto who you are as Jade, I want to make sure we get into this Twitter check-in, right? So here we go. All right. So today's Twitter check-in is dedicated to a historical, historical, a now present-day historical figure, Kentanji Brown Jackson, um, the current um, Supreme Court Justice nominee. And I'm assuming that by this time, I'm not sure how long, what this process, the process, you know, they treat it differently depending on who in the seat. Because I remember the last person, it felt like it was two days of confirmation. She was already in that thing. It was like <laughs> minimal questioning. She got the job. You know what I'm saying? Who knew that it could be so few of rounds to get a job? You know? Well, I feel like in times you've been on the on the in the pit of fire and flames for all week. But she's been certainly all over Twitter, and I feel like it's been so many conversations to happen from just her and her and just uh, this reviewing of her record. How did you feel when you learned that Joe Byron nominated a black woman to be uh, the new justice of the Supreme Court? Um, I think my first initial thought was, as as he should. <laughs> why not? Um, but also, just wow and how incredible, how historic. Um, yeah. I think this nominee kind of represents like... Uh, 
another stepping hold, it's stepping mm-hmm. stone in Black history, which yep. I am incredibly excited about. Um, you know, for me, I know we talk about like Black History Month, it's being celebrated for February, but it's honestly a year long celebration. And I think this is very much evident of that, that Black history continues and moves beyond February. Um, and I'm just like so happy to see her shining and amongst like all this. I guess conversation and the intense questions that she's being asked as she gets, you know, gets through this process. I'm I'm just really proud of her and I feel honored to be represented by her as a black woman. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I I feel the same. I, I feel so much um felt so much joy that her name was uh that her name is Kentanji Brown Jackson. <laughs> Quite <laughs> ironic to find a bl- a white man named Jackson too. I love that. <laughs> to, to, like just <laughs> shit. In, in, in case you was wondering, but also, uh, her, I think for me it was her, um, her aesthetic too. I think her having natural hair and um, really did something for me and my inner child and my just overall just what I know I've had to deal with in terms of corporate America and the workforce. It's something that um, really touched me to see that there's gonna be someone who is at the highest level of the judicial system um, and looks similar to me, you know? And um, that's beautiful, you know? And regardless of, because I, I, I feel like I didn't want to spoil the, the the energy by, you know, going too, too deep into particular ideals and views because out of anything, and what I think she was a great example for throughout this confirmation was that regardless of whatever she is, whoever she is, however she thinks, whatever her ideas are, those things shouldn't matter in how she judges. Cause mm-hmm. like, it's not a politician. She's not a politician. She should be right. right down the center, just straight yeah. for the facts. This is what it is. And I think we don't live in a world where it seems like they care about that. It's like, no, you, are you going to do what we want you to do <laughs> more than anything? And so, so many of the questions for her was so crazy to me. And, it, and, and it's, and it, I love how she handled it. Uh, it's unfortunate that she had to keep handling things in that way, but it's like, y'all, that ain't, it ain't my job to define these things. It ain't my job to do that. That's not on me. That's not, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm just going to judge you. Will you judge? Can you judge this fairly? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not. It don't matter what I think. It don't matter who I am. Yeah. I just know how to do it, you know. And I think that's a beautiful thing, you know. Um, yeah. But no, let us pivot and get into you. Now, tell me, you are from Atlanta, Georgia, right? But you say, but I know you told me that you got, you know, roots, yeah. roots in New York. How did how did yeah. how did how did your family end up in um, Atlanta? Um, so my parents are actually from Jamaica and yes, the Island. And ironically enough, they both migrated to New York and then both moved to Jamaica, Queens. So they literally just went from the Island to the city of Jamaica and New York. That's hilarious. Funny to me, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, our people be out there. So Mm -hmm. that's where, that's where they met. Um, and then my older sister and my older brother, they were born in New York. Um, and then I guess my parents kind of realized like, hey, we're going to be growing this family. We want to leave New York. So they came down south and then had me and my little brother. So half of us were are New York apples. Half of us are Georgia peaches. And- I like that. <laughs> That's so cute. Y'all need to put that on T-shirts. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, I was born in Atlanta, grew up in uh, the burbs, like outside of the city in Snellville, Stone Mountain area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then relocated back into the city um, a couple of years ago. So now that I'm just like in my adulthood, I'm like living my best life in East Atlanta. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And your apartment is so nicely decorated. You know what I'm saying? I always, I always am shading people. I get why so many people move to Atlanta for so many different reasons and living in Atlanta. I felt like I lived in Atlanta when the, I feel like the wave was already happening. People were already moving, but it seemed like it got worse, even more, even greater after I left. But, uh, the apartments, though, like the part, I don't know if people really be knowing like apartments in Atlanta are like top tier to me, just yeah, in terms yeah. of just the way that they look like when you think about having your first apartment or just a great apartment because you got the big the big boy and big girl and big person job. You <laughs> yeah. think this is what this looks like. I got good windows. I got great lighting. I can buy things from Creighton Barrel, you know. <laughs> You can get it going, you know, and I think people think Atlanta, you know, I think people think Atlanta because when you go to older cities like Mm -hmm. Chicago, for instance, I think people's bubble get bursted real quickly when they realize they got that big ass, you know what I'm saying, radiator at the side of the thing blocking most of their space, they square footage and uh, (laughs) same in New York too, like yeah, I actually just had that experience um, when I went up to New York a couple of weeks ago. I was like in my Airbnb and I was like, I, I remember I, I messaged the host and I was like, how do I turn on the heat? And they were like, oh, we control the heat. I was like, where did I do that at? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Like, I was literally looking for a remote to, to like just click it on. And and that and that that feels that feels so tyrannical to me. Like it's cold here. Like I should have control over the heat. Like at least that. You know what I'm saying? Uh 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 uh. No, people literally just gotta open a window. Gotta gotta put a fan on. Try to circulate some. And it's yeah. so odd to me. But that's my southernness. Like I feel like it's certain advantages that all sides, you know, all sides of the nation have. But that's one thing that I can say for sure. The South has just figured out. Central yeah. air and heat. Everybody get it. Everybody get central air and heat. Why not? Like it's hot as hell down here. So I would hope so. <laughs> like, but 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 not only just it because it's getting hot as hell, in yeah. my mind it's like people finicky. You know, people want it cold, people want it hot, people want it whatever. Just let them control the thing. You know what I'm saying? Just because we don't want to deal with it. Just make it make sense. Put the H back in there and make let put you know, give people remotes, give people knots. <laughs> Give people a little box, whatever they need. So in terms of your journey into social media, tell me, what was the first social media account that you remember making? Oh, wow. (laughs) This was in high school. I had a baking business that I was like, like literally smuggling cupcakes into my high school and selling them to my classmates. (laughs) Come on, hustler. I was <laughs> got the got the cakes. <laughs> um, it was like totally not allowed, but some of my teachers let me get away with it. So shout out to them for you know investing in my future. Hell uh, yeah! <laughs> I had a baking business called Whisk, and I ooh, you are so good at this! Oh my god, Jay, that is like that sounds like a that sounds like some 
Like you are, you are on your minimalism early. <laughs> the one name, brand name. Um, and yeah, I was like doing all the marketing myself, of course, because it was mine. Like I, li- I remember I literally hand drew my logo with like markers and like scanned it into my computer to like have a digital version of it. Um, but I started a Facebook page because that's what was popping at the time, Facebook and MySpace. But Facebook had just like started letting um, users do business pages. And that's how I got all my updates to my classmates like this week i'm gonna have strawberry chocolate and vanilla come get your cupcakes and they would just send me messages to put in their orders and i would just like manually like take them write them down and facebook was like huge for me um as just like an early budding entrepreneur it was like everything to me so that was my first facebook page that well first social media account that i've ever managed (laughs) I, i want everybody listening to and watching to hear this yeah, her first page was an entrepreneurial effort. It was a, a marketing tool for her. First, my <laughs> I wish I could say I was about business <laughs> on my first account for anything. Cause I definitely had on MySpace. It was de- I was definitely in middle school and I was managed as hell. Like I remember I had a I had a, a song that was way way inappropriate. <laughs> had some le- had letters, had playlists, had top eights, had all the things. I was on there trying to talk to young girls my age and I was just like ugh I was just social just trying to be social yeah I mean that's what it was there for oh yeah oh yeah but it's but I love that your first like the one that you can remember the most remember first it was you know what I'm saying make a little make a little bread make a little bread yeah. with your you yeah, know with them cupcakes I was about my coin always have been always will be <laughs> yeah I ain't mad at it I ain't mad at it that might be the Jamaican in you too that's that's that makes sense <laughs> Got 14 jobs. I feel you. Uh, I love that. I love that. That's hella work ethic, though. I, I, I believe that's beautiful. Cause I, the reason why I thought of that question is because I think we are a, a specific generation of um, of kind of just, you know, the post analog, you know, very early digital era. And um, and I, I, I always got to correct, um, you know, Gen Xers or, you know, boomers about who the hell millennials really are. Cause I think they kind of mix us in with Generation Z all the time. Like y'all don't even know what a cassette plate is. Y'all don't even know what a CD is. I'm like, how old do y'all think we are? Like, I get if we were born in the '90s. <laughs> I get if we were born in the late '80s. But we had since we were like, it don't take that long. It don't take a few years to start remembering things and, and right. never going away. And uh, and also. Everybody didn't didn't have the newest of new things. Like I vividly remember my mama having tapes and an Oldsmobile and a, yeah. and and the and the um. You remember the thing they had to get the um. People had to go and get the new little radio sets to get put on there <laughs> just so they could have a CD player. Uh, all that I remember. You had to take the damn CD player key off. <laughs> like even when you had like the cassettes and you had to like wind it up with a pencil. Like it's not that far behind. <laughs> it's not. It's not that far behind. And like. And I knew people even in high school who had cars where that was their the way that they could play music with the with the tape, yeah, with the thing, and it connect to their phone. <laughs> um, so it's it's always got to correct them on like y'all probably just maybe because y'all were older enough, y'all were so detached into y'all adulthood that y'all think all these people were children and they had no way for them to remember. 
But it's like we were we talking about me being like 10. We talking about me being like 11. Yes, I know what that is. Like you probably never heard of this. You probably never heard of this movie. It was it was a powerful movie back in the day called Boys in the Hood. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> like got you. Um, certainly seen it. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, but I feel like that's a key point in like why I think we operate the way we do on social media. I think our age group is one that is all the things at once, like being the leaders in content creation, but also just being model spectators, <laughs> just being just model users as well. Like not really caring, like the people who care to be on these particular platforms and create content really care. And the people who just want to spectate, it's like, just make my experience easy for that. Like, I just want to be able to see what I want to see. Um, but I, I would love to know like what, uh, what was it about? Was there another sign or symbol or inspiration that kind of led you down the path to see and know like, yeah, this is the, the industry that I want to get a part of. Well, I would say I kind of fell into marketing and advertising by chance. Mm. Um, and when I was managing that Facebook page for my baking business in high school, I didn't know that I could make a career out of social media marketing because it wasn't a thing then. Like mm. that just wasn't happening at that time. That's a good point. Um, and it wasn't until I got to college, I remember it was really a part pretty much the student organizations I was a part of, like in order to connect to other students, we needed to be on social media. And I always ended up in these like roles where I was like, yeah, I'll manage the Facebook page. Yeah, I'll manage the Instagram. Yeah, I'll manage the Twitter account. Um, and I remember specifically one of the or organizations that I, that I was in, it was the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. Mm. And I was running for their VP of, I think, public relations position. Cause even at that time, like public relations, comms, marketing, it was like all the same thing. So I remember I was running for that position and this man named Sean Stanberry, shout out to him if he's listening, he approached me, he approached me after I, I kind of made my presentation and he was like, hey, I'm running a social media agency and we have an internship open, you should apply. And I just kind of looked at him a little side-eyed because I was like, first of all, you're my age, what do you mean you're running a social media agency? Right. Like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> Um, and I didn't take it seriously at first. And then I remember he like really um, like pressed on me. He emailed me again a couple of times and was like, Jade, like you need to apply. And I was like, okay, fine. And I applied, got the internship. And that was really like the beginning of my social media career. Because once I like started my first day, I was like, oh, wow, like businesses are actually paying people to manage their social media accounts. Um, and that's how I kind of fell into the world of social media marketing, but also the marketing advertising industry as a whole. Um, and from then, it just kind of went from there. I was just taking on all these like gigs um, as like doing social media work and also doing marketing internships until I, you know, graduated college and got into my career. And then I haven't really looked back since. <laughs> mm, mm. I love I love that you, you know, you stuck with what felt like it was working, too. Um, yeah. But what was what was the thing that you enjoyed about social media? What was it that made it feel uh, like something that you can continuously do? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I just had like a natural talent for it, which mm -hmm. was surprising to me. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, like, honestly, I remember like Facebook consumed a lot of my work because that was the platform that was most popular at that time. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I did start working at that agency, they were like, yeah, Jade, like a lot of our clients want Twitter. And I was like, well, I don't even like, what is Twitter? <laughs> like, I don't tweet. <laughs> so they literally had to like, 
trained me on how to use Twitter and I didn't really know what I was doing until I was just like thrown into it. And then I think um, when I realized like how natural it came to me, like creating the con, even at that time, like we didn't call it content creators, but like thinking of content to create for these brands Mm -hmm. um, and thinking of like funny tweets or tweets that can like, you know, get people back, get their customers back to their website. Um, And the creative aspect of like designing graphics, which was like a lot of my work too. I was like, wow, this is fun. And I really enjoy this. Um, So I think that creative aspect was what really appealed to me at the time. Mm, I love that. I love that so much because uh, I feel like it's always something that draws us to the thing that we do so much and we've done so much. Um, and, and, just- and one thing I will say too because a lot of our work um, was community management heavy as well. Mm-hmm. I literally love talking to people on the internet. I got did you, not got you. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I was like, wow, I can like just DM someone or tweet them and they'll respond. Like it was genuinely fun for me. So all that coupled with the creative work was amazing. Yeah, and I think that's that's a gratifying thing that I don't think people really uh, understand until you um, are are put into that position, like getting responses, people being responsive to yeah. you. It's in a general sense. I think everybody would like to say something or put something out and get a response, which I think is the base level of why people post things and publish things like, yeah. oh, the starting conversation or it's getting people to say things back to us. It's a real mm-hmm. bare minimum thing of communication. Well, how is the communication if no one ever really says anything back? But but I know um, to me I feel like I, I feel like I've had a I've had a beef with social media because I think early on I think I had this very innocent joy as I said like I was on MySpace just being managed you know what I'm saying being a, a middle schooler on MySpace trying to edit my page and and do all these different things and then got into like editing my HTML on the back I, I, did, I did it all I did it all I, did, I used to do it for other people. Yes. Uh, and then I got into like making profile photos for people, heavy yeah. graphics. I'm talking about I was burning out, oversaturating everybody's face. And that was the that was the vibe, though, y'all. Being yeah. like making people look all preppery and all that was what, what was the highly requested thing. And um, and then throughout college, I went to CAU and. Mm-hmm. I literally started to get into social media in terms of an aspect of like marketing to just promote my events, to promote things I was doing. And it made me because I always needed flyers because I was always doing so much. It was like, damn, I got to learn how to make a flyer now because yeah. I can, like the people who usually do this for me aren't always available and I need right. to promote this event like now. So that was kind of what got me into it. And then graduating and then starting my podcast, I think it was the first time I seriously was like, okay, now I'm using social media for something I really want people to care about. Mm-hmm. And um, and, I, and I think that timing of doing that was the weirdest of timing because the algorithm started to shift. We were just getting out of chronological and all these various things. So I felt like I was truly, and I remember the, um, I can't remember what year it was. It might've been like 2015 or 2017. I can't remember what year it was, but it was like, Instagram, but it was the first time they swept all the bots. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but I feel like I feel like I was like around. I can't remember how many followers I had, but I remember I had a good amount 
I feel like I probably passed it however long ago, but whatever that, whenever that was, it was a great amount. And I swear, I, I lost like maybe like 1,500 people. <laughs> and I was devastated. Yeah. I was like, whoa, hold on. What's happening? This is terrible. We all were going through it, but I felt like I got hit. And yeah. then um, trying my best to kind of like get back into all the things, like getting back on Twitter, because I definitely let that go. Created a Twitter, start of college and probably barely used it for the most four years and was getting into all the things. And then over the past six years have had this up and down energy of like social media is something that I really only like every blue moon. <laughs> like it feels like it only gives me what I expect every blue moon. And I'm like, damn, what am I doing wrong? What am yeah. I doing wrong? And I know that so many people feel the same way um, because nowadays it's a whole industry in itself being a social media coach and just teaching people how to market themselves better online and just people getting tips, people feeling like they got the hacks and got the da da da. And um, I've gotten to a really good place with it now because now I just create based off what I want to do. I want to I just want to put out whatever the hell I want to put out and yeah. I can't put too much pressure on myself. The algorithm is going algorithm. I got I, I, I can't I, I like what else can I do? And also I've gotten so much validation from people who do social media well. So it's like, so it's like, I'm not doing nothing wrong. <laughs> and I don't know how to be different in the situation, you know, but I guess, I guess it's for everyone who's listening. What would you say to the people who are in those like, in like those early phases of social media, trying to figure those things out? Because I think a lot of people can run into those particular frustrations and feel like they are being consistent. They're posting every day. They feel like their content is, you know, a quality content. Um, and they're sticking to their niche or niche. <laughs> what would you have to say to them in terms of like, just being able to stay motivated to keep doing the thing, keep marketing themselves or whatever their product or business is online. You know, I, I would say two things. One, testing and learning is going to be your everything because mm. um, social media just changes every single day. Yeah. And what may be working right now may not be working two days from now. And that's very much OK. It's just the nature of the game. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is just like do what feels natural to you and lean into that and then just pay attention to what your audience is saying. If they're like, we want more lifestyle content from you maybe test some lifestyle content and see what that looks like for you. If they're like, we want more, um, you know, recommendations for playlists, like give them the playlist. I think like there's always a middle ground between the content that you really want to create and then what your audience wants to see. And that's where you need to kind of play in that space. Um, and then also keep your mental health top of mind. That's something that has been incredibly important for me these past couple of years. I think, because of the pressure to like, you know, perform on social media in whatever sense that you look that in, whether it's like perform, meaning like putting your, your actual like face on social media or in terms of like, you know, the numbers, how many followers you have, mm -hmm. how many shares you're getting, mm -hmm. uh, it can get you a little caught up, especially if you're comparing yourselves to others. Cause I, I've been in that space on the brand side where I'm like looking at other brands and I'm like, shit, like we're not growing as fast as them. <laughs> or I've been on it on the, on the content creator side where like I am the brand and I'm just like, oh, these other influencers that the other, these other creators, they're getting all these like brand deals and I'm not getting mine as fast as I am. And I, I 
consciously have to like remind myself that like yeah. I'm on my own path in my yeah. own journey and yeah. everything that is destined for me is going to be for me. And so in the process, yeah. all I can do is, you know, do what feels authentic to me and then make sure I'm taking care of my mental health in the process. So sometimes that means like, you know, stepping away from my phone for an hour to like go clean or go outside. But like, it's just not healthy to constantly be, you know, refreshing your feed every five seconds. Cause that does nothing for your spirit. It doesn't, it doesn't. And like, if, if I can, you know, bestow anything on anybody in terms of this, I truly, what truly helped me get over that hump and, and get over my own indifference was um, making sure that I was happy with what I was doing. You know, mm. like I got to be good with this. Like I got to like this. This really brought me joy to make and to finish and to see the final product. And if I w- if this wasn't me, I would press like on this. I would share yeah. this with somebody else. Absolutely. And if I don't feel those ways about what I'm creating, then I'll I know that I'm either forcing it or I'm not. Or I'm trying to just phone it in just because I, I need to fulfill whatever, you know, requirement I've made for myself in relation to this particular platform. And so for me, once I started to do that, I feel like I started to make content that made me feel good. And I'm so glad I did it, you know, like it it feels good. And I'm and I'm now it's and and to me, I think it creates pathways Mm -hmm. for ideas and your imagination to create ways of consistency. Like in saying what I just said, I just thought about like, damn, I've done. I remember thinking of that feeling I've done like maybe three pieces of content, two to three pieces of content at this point now that are like similar, that gave me that particular feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all, but they all are kind of similar, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they kind of like use music to like give a message or whatever, whatever. And then I'm a, I'm a multifaceted person. So I like to do a lot of different things, but it's like the overall theme is what the overall theme is. And so I think knowing that you stand true to your, what your thing is, You got to make you your niche is what I feel like it is, you know, and people got to start molding into you. Yeah, that's all right there. Oh, yeah, I I really, but I I realized that when it came to social media, Mm -hmm. all the people that I, I, because I felt like I started studying it to a degree that was unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I I think my frustration was coming by way of telling people things I learned, them doing the things and it working for them. (laughs) And I'm like, how are you doing this thing? I stopped doing (laughs) <laughs> no, absolutely. Because just like you said, testing and, tr- you know, trial and error, I stopped yeah. doing it. You start doing it the next day and you start getting results immediately. So I've, yeah. I've, I've come to the conclusion mm-hmm. and it could be just my own irrational way of kind of being OK with all these things and just seeing it as what it is. Even when it comes to social media content, uh, you know, coaches and things, I think that because I've heard I follow so many different people. So I've heard them all say different things, contradictory things, too. So I'm like, okay, so I see what it is. This is what it is, y'all. Social media and all the people who are on social media, we're all just different zodiac signs. You know, (laughs) we're all different zodiac signs. And the people who are the lead leaders in these things telling you, like, this is what works for you. This is what works for you. Just like with a horoscope. That's yeah. they're compliment, giving you compliments and telling you what you may need to adjust, may need to be mindful of. It's the same way. And so if you try it and it doesn't work, well, you're just not an Aries, baby. That's all it is. Fine. It's not your season. It's not your time. But if you are Aries and you do all these things and you do all these tips and tricks 
and it works for you, there it is. Now this is this is your model. This is your way to go. Because I had to start thinking of it that way because I'm like, how is it? Because you don't need much to validate that your strategy works. If I start promoting that I do, if I start promoting a particular course or a class or a particular skill that I can teach people to do that I know how to do very well, all I need is maybe 10, 20 people to say, yeah, he helped me. It worked for me. For it to be like, well, this must be some, some validity to this. Right. You don't need much. So I don't need, you don't need, it's just what's dope about it is because they got, because they're saying they're promoting what they're promoting, it'll bring even more attention because it's like, yeah, let me just try it. They might only have a 20% success rate and all this stuff. We don't know the real numbers, you know, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because they're Aries, they're Geminis, they're, they're Scorpios. Their own thing. Talking to other people where it works for them. This is what, if you are in this particular niche, if you do this particular thing, if the algorithm reads you and your personality in this particular way and the content in a particular way and it boosts up, it boosts down, whatever it is, that's your thing. So, yeah. You just got to find your right sign and get with, get with your peoples. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I think what you're saying essentially is like, you know, finding your community and Mm -hmm. like finding your people that align with your values that share the same interests as you or like literally just want to show up for you because they love you. Like that's the space that you want to play in and then grow from there. Um, Cause there's a lot of overlap in all of these different communities. Like your Aries people will have Pisces friends. I'm, I'm the Pisces friend (laughs) and there will be overlap there. Um, So I think like, like you were saying, it's just a matter of like, you know, being authentically you and Mm -hmm. doing the work that brings you joy. Cause even going back to that, you know, I think there's a lot of beauty in the creative process, especially yeah. for me. I, I don't know if it's, a, it's the same for you, for me. Being yeah, for sure. Incredibly healing. Like it, it genuinely brings me joy. Um, so for me, it's like, even if I create this like reel or TikTok that I think is like the f- most like fire shit in the world and like no one likes it, I'm okay with that because I had so much fun during the process mm-hmm. of creating it. And like, it literally brightened my day to make this piece of content. Yeah, <laughs> That's something like I'm very much okay with going to bed at night, knowing that like, even if it didn't, you know, quote unquote perform, I did what I needed to do, which was be creative. <laughs> and, and, and that really be it. And I think, you know, social media isn't the beginning or end of what makes your brand, your product, who you are into uh, a thing. Because I know for me, it caused so much emotional turmoil. And I, I truly agree with you on your just your note to prioritize your mental health, because this ain't real life, y'all. Like, it, it, it ain't like what you do and what happens for you is real life. Like if you don't get down on yourself because it's like, damn, I did not take enough pictures on my vacation. It's like, okay, that's all right, baby. Did you have a good time? Fuck right. that. Fuck that vlog. You know what I'm saying? Just, Absolutely. just, just, if anything, give people a, a rundown on how much a good time you had, make it into yeah. something else, possibly make it in, make that the, the content piece, you know, like, Hey, I forgot to take so many pictures and do all these things and share it with you guys. But you know what? It felt good to be present. It felt <laughs> good to not really bring work. Cause that still can be seen as work for a lot of people, which it is. Yeah. Yeah. into their time of relaxation and rest, you know what I'm saying? Or just fun and merrymaking, you feel me? If I'm if I'm at all inclusive getting slizzy off of the pina coladas, I'm not thinking about, hey, put they put they take this picture. You know? I'm not thinking about that. I'm gonna have to wow that phone. We're gonna get one good picture that first day and we might it might be done. 
after that. <laughs> but honestly, that that's something like I even uh, I I wouldn't say I struggle with, but it's something I'm being more aware of, mm-hmm. trying to be present when I travel because, ironically enough, travel content is a lot of what my community looks to me for, especially mm-hmm. on Instagram. You be giving so them like, vibes too. You be in them <laughs> destinations, girl. You be in them <laughs> destinations. Yes. I mean, and, and it, it's, it really is fun to me, like creating while I'm like out in the world, which yeah. I love. Um, but I'm also like, you know, I try to set boundaries with myself. Like, okay, Jade, if you know you're going to be creating throughout the day, let's at least like, you know, take a couple of shots, get a couple of videos and then wrap it up so you can like enjoy the lunch by the beach. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I still want to be present and still be able to like see like, you know, not through a lens, what is around me. <laughs> um, and I think that's incredibly important. So I think like even just going back to, uh, you know, establishing boundaries and making sure that you're taking care of your mental health. Like that's all a part of it. Like just making sure that you're doing the things that bring you joy, but also not distracting yourself too much in the process. Mm, Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And um, I I, I think I, I admire people who have figured it out because it feels like, I think the thing that I always notice is, um, the level of freedom that it feels like when you're not worried about if you have a quote unquote number of following or particular numbers, then you kind of in the breeze. You kind of now it's just about, you know, creating what you want to create and like if anything, meeting the commitments that you made, you know, Mm -hmm. if that's the partnerships that you're trying to garner and, and or the ones that you already have and trying to continuously build those and pushing yourself to create even better. It always felt like once you get over this quote unquote requirement or hurdle or um, competency of like building, growing and galvanizing people to follow you. Um, I think that's what I always was kind of seeking for more than more than just the numbers itself being this gratifying dopamine effect. It was more so for me, it's like, no, it seems like like the podcast and the different um influences that I followed, I'm like, it just seemed like they do what they want, though. <laughs> like, it just seemed like they can, they post when they want to. It seemed like they, they're making what they want and fuck around and end up making a trend out of those things. You know, them doing it on an occasional basis, they now are the person who is responsible for doing this thing and doing that thing or make popularizing this thing. And um, I think all those things is what I've always admired more than anything. And, um, and I think probably something that a lot of people see and admire too. Um, But I I do, I do want to pivot and speak to how, because social media wasn't just something that you did well from a casual sense, but it's also your, it was your occupation for so long, your official occupation for so long. And recently you somewhat, I would say, oh, you know, outgrew this particular yeah. uh, aspect and you, you know, you wrote about it and you expressed it online that you basically are leaving, you know, leaving this particular world in the capacity of this corporate space, I'm assuming, and truly want to dedicate more to you, more to yourself. Is Am I right on that kind of a yeah. overview? Yeah, spot on. <laughs> yeah. But tell me, tell, tell us more about like what drove you to the point to where you're like, you've been doing social media for, you know, a decade and some change and doing it well for multiple <laughs> different people. And you're, and you're doing it well in a corp from a corporate standpoint, but also personally. But yet, you know, you're um, you felt like it was something that you need to part ways from. Why? Why is that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a long journey for me. I think one of the things I think about even today is that, and not to make myself sound like I'm this like veteran, but I guess you you, you look look. <laughs> but I kind of am. How many? How many years? How many years? You know what I'm saying? Like you got your ten thousand hours a, a good minute ago, you know? Yes. <laughs> just saying. But when I, when I started in this work, it was a genuine joy because it was like new. Mm. And I think one of the beautiful things that I got to be a part of, especially earlier, earlier on in my career, was that I worked with a lot of small businesses yeah. and small entrepreneurs that yeah. I empathize with because like I was telling you, like, my path was always entrepreneurship, like when I started my baking business in high school. So for me, it was just like when they would send us the emails and be like, you don't understand, like this tweet that you just post us, posted got us five new customers that walked into our door this month. And that made us a lot more money so that we could pay our bills. Like beautiful stories like that. And it really felt like, wow, this work that I'm doing is having an impact on someone's livelihood, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think as I continued on in my career, continued working at um, agencies and started working for these brands, what I realized very quickly was like, okay, I'm doing this work as like a person who is very knowledgeable about, about what social media marketing is, but I'm also having to do a lot of education on like the capacity of the work because Mm. what would happen is that I would get into these roles where it was like I was either the only social media person or if I did have support, it was like very temporary or only a small amount of support. So yeah. it was like, you know, I think social media marketers know the the lengths <laughs> at which this, this work um, kind of involves. But I think over time, I just got really tired because I was like, I can't keep being in the in these roles where it's just me and I'm expected to like run a whole social media department like it makes no sense but I also didn't really especially earlier on in my career I didn't know how to set boundaries I didn't know how to speak up for myself and be like hey I can't be the singular you know person to build like all five of our brands on social media you know Mm -hmm. and I think as I continued on in my career Um, it just seemed like the work was getting harder and harder, to be honest. And I was just getting more and more tired, but I was afraid because I was like, this is what I know. I was like, or like earlier on, I used to like tell people how passionate I was about social media. But like, as I continued up, like the upward progression of my career, that passion slowly started dwindling. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this because it's what I know how to do. This is like what I can easily get paid for, but it wasn't necessarily making me happy. And I think I kept going to like different jobs thinking, okay, maybe this will be better because this will be different or mm. maybe this will be different because this will be better. Yeah. And that wasn't happening. Mm. <laughs> so, ironically enough, I got quote unquote dream job when I started like working at this huge airline in Atlanta. We know what it is. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny because everyone was like, are you kidding me? You got that job? It, like not in like the Jade got the job. So that shocking way, but it was like, it's a hard company to get a job at. Like is rigorous. They got a, yeah, they got a long questionnaire. <laughs> you know how we fill out them questionnaires, people. Exactly. <laughs> so, I finally ended up in this role and it was just like, wow, Jade, like did it. Like you've reached the the climax of your career. And then I got in it and it was great working on it was the first time I'd been in an environment where, you know, I had multiple people doing social, so it wasn't just me. But 
even in that regard, I was just like, okay, this isn't really fulfilling <laughs> because it like something isn't clicking. So I left that gig and then finally got this job that I thought was the job. I was like, okay, it's not like a big corporate machine, which I love. I get to be like my rebellious, like creative self, say what, say and do what I want, which is amazing, but it still wasn't serving me. And that's when I knew I was like, yeah, girl, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta stop this. Cause you keep like, no matter how many jobs you get, like, this is not going to make any different. Like you, you gotta stop doing social. So that was like the epiphany that I had. And I was like, yeah, it's done. It's time to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I smile, I smile for that because it, I'm, I'm vindicated because I, I, I too have, you know, left, left corporate America last year. And, yeah. um, bet on, thank you. And I bet on myself because it's like, how long, when, when, when is the date for you to start? Yeah. Cause, cause for me, I think I always knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think that's what makes it beautiful to hear your story to, and I think what's even dope about it is that with all the experience, with all the things that was you who was there and learning all those things. And now that you are on your own, it's like, it's happening when it's supposed to, because right. you aren't starting this, having to now learn how to do a thing. Yeah, yeah. Now you're just applying it to you. You're just, instead of it being like, okay, this company or that company, this is what the objectives are. Okay, no, it's me. What are my, what are, what are my objectives? Where is my brand objectives? What are, what am I trying to get through? What value am I bringing to this space? Fuck everybody else. You know what I'm saying? And I think that was, that's the, the most inspirational part of it all. Cause it's kind of like, getting everything that you wanted and not being enough. It's such yeah. a, it's such a hell of a moment. But I think, and I think I might've said this to you on our uh, pre-interview is like, I believe what it is for me. And I think I've seen it a lot since the pandemic, a lot of people pivoting is that the, it's a certain element that the pandemic kind of gave people to put them in a, a space to finally start mm-hmm. questioning what they're doing with their time. Absolutely. It could be, you know, the, the, you know, one of the most morbid of examples being almost all this death and, you know, illness being one thing to make you really consider have this existential question to yourself and your life and the time that you're spending. But also for a lot of people, it was being at home. Yeah. Being at home so much, having them to being in their comfort zone and not having all these other, you know, sensational things happen around them, them being in a work environment and having a cold switch, them having to go through commuting and through traffic or whatever it is. Them just being in their comfort zone, being able to actually ask themselves, are you comfortable with all that you're doing right now? Um, And I think the close we got to us being ourselves and just truly who we are, not just the job. I think it made a lot of people assess, like, is this worth my time anymore? And um, I'm just glad you did it. I'm just glad you did it. I I really am. I really am. Because it's it's, and it's funny because I actually had some of that product that you, uh, one of the companies that you used to work for for the first time. And I was like, let me write this down. I'm gonna have to hit them up because it's good. <laughs> this, this good as hell. <laughs> you could, de- I could, that was like, I was, I was having that bottle like, mm, like I will, <laughs> this is tasty. You feel me? Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, I'll talk about them when they, when they want to talk to me, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's a beautiful thing that you, you know, you made that choice. And I think I'm now, and I bet you probably are becoming in your circle of friends, that person who, Oh, I've, I've been thinking about making that leap too. <laughs> and like, tell me how you did it and what did you do? And how did you prepare your mind, your heart and your body and your spirit for yeah. 
this change, you know, because I can I, I was I quickly became that to my my immediate personal community of like, hey, I don't like my job. How did you get the confidence to do this? And it took time. It did not. It was not nothing that happened overnight for me. So I, I applaud you for making that jump, making that leap and choosing you over everything, you know? Um, I mean, I think the the interesting thing about that is I don't think in the process of me making this decision, I didn't think it was really that radical. Mm-hmm. Wasn't until people started approaching me and they were like, "Hey, I read your story." Almost like, like when I wrote that, it was honestly like a blog to me. It was just like, "Oh, this is an update on my personal life." <laughs> and then, but it was like the messages I received they were like, "Jade, your story," and I was just like, "Whoa!" Like this got really intense. Yeah, but it definitely showed you know the sentiment that a lot of people have been feeling. Like you know, there has to be more than just this. Like career that has has been defined for us like the the nature of what your career can be can shift yeah yeah that's so true but i i feel i feel i feel i feel everything that you did i feel everything that you did and everything that you're doing um because it's it's real dope it's real dope and you and you are already good at what you do so it's kind of like hard to feel hard to even feel like this is a a um unnecessary or surprising pivot it's like what proof do you need to like not be confident in yourself you know what i'm saying and um and i think that was but from from i think it's easier saying that from the outside looking in for sure because definitely my friends had to be the ones to remind me who the hell i was to to like to be able to be like you know what you're right i should just do this because i because i definitely was like but i don't know i don't know what if i you know Man, because because system is incredible. <laughs> it truly was, and I, I kept saying that I was like, I have everybody supporting me. Everybody, every time I tell people this is what I'm thinking about doing, I'm already, I'm like, I've commenced my exit strategy, so on and so on and so forth. Nobody was like, mm, I don't think, I, oh, not you, not you, not you, not you. You know, like they, nobody hit me with that. It was genuinely only me who was like, mm, like, are you sure? Uh, but and I had to get over that and I think it was the universe made it happen and made so many things um, come my way and even just you know even my sister like shout out to my sister Kenya who basically did the same thing at the same time just from me telling her what I want to do she was like damn shit I'm gonna do it with you I'm like oh sis I ain't but I mean if you you feeling it but she's she's because she did that she was able to start her own you know uh, makeup business and just being an MUA in our local small town and she uh, got that got that entrepreneurial bug but she's always been a go-getter she's always been a person who can hustle and work and figure things out so I wasn't surprised and I've always told her that I was like sis you've always had good you've never told me a bad idea ever in my days especially when it was about making money she's never had a bad idea about making money it was always a, a very thoughtful idea for a business it was never like and it's always based on things that she's seen. Unlike it just being like, you know what people don't got? People need a machine to help you take off your socks. Like, it's like, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My sister would be like, you know what we don't have in this town? Or you know what I noticed about this? Or I had this conversation, she would have a solution to something. And so I love, I love all this. I love all this. I love the entrepreneurial vibes. Um, and speaking of entrepreneurial vibes, um, <laughs> Weed for black women. Yeah, that's my baby. 
We for black women. That's that's like that's definitely like, that's so you like like I told you it was good with the whisk, which you might need to write down to make sure that's some, that might be that might be your IP and they need to you know to get your get your coins. <laughs> make sure they know whisk cupcake companies in this motherfucker. But right. we for black women is a uh, is is not only overall brand and company and initiative that you started with your colleague. What's, what's your, can you tell me um, your friend and colleague's name who's doing doing yeah, this with you? Said it again. Bemi Mygan. Emmy Mygan. Bemi. Demi. Mygen. Oh, shout out to Demi. Um, if you're listening, Bemi. shout out to you. Like GB, Bemi. Bemi. <laughs> yes. Bemi. Shout out to Bemi if you're listening. Yeah. Um, but tell us more about what exactly is We for Black Women. Yeah. So Weed for Black Women is a community media and culture hub where we celebrate black women that love weed it's very on the nose in the name <laughs> because we want it to be um but this was actually the vision of my partner i mean Megan. she and i worked in the cannabis industry together um, for a couple of years and we were able to continue our friendship and our nature as colleagues after i left that company um and i remember she just came to me one day and she was like jade i have this idea you and I are black women and we both love weed. And I was like, yeah, girl, we do. <laughs> and she was like, I know we know other black women that love weed, but like they don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about it openly because there's a stigma around cannabis use. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me that she just kind of wanted to build this like community, this hub where black women can like celebrate our love for weed openly and talk about it unapologetically because there are so many people like there's already a, a very large cannabis community that sometimes if you're like not familiar with it it can like seem like it's non-existent but even within the cannabis community and in the cannabis industry as a whole black women aren't necessarily represented it's like mm. oftentimes these these companies these dispensaries are largely white owned and um, male owned. So black women were just like literally at the bottom when it comes to this community. And mm-hmm. white men are scared of black women though. We, we back to the Kentaji point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fact. At least fear yeah. is one thing that I think white men feel about black women, Absolutely. but I digress. Absolutely. And I think in that, you know, with us, we have this unique perspective because we did work in the industry mm-hmm. and we both between us have like 20 years of marketing experience. So mm. out of it, coming out of that, I think like when she approached me with this idea, I was like, hell yeah, bitch, let's do this. Like it made, it made so much sense. Um, and together we've just been growing this brand. We launched in, I want to say mid-February, so on Valentine's Day with our campaign campaign for the love of weed. And we literally just got a whole black, a whole bunch of black women to get on camera saying, I'm a black woman and I love weed and it was incredibly powerful. So, um, you know, we're continuing to grow and we're excited for what's to come for us in the future. <laughs> I think it's going to be amazing. And, um, and you know, it's, it's always interesting to be, you know, some of the first to kind of yeah. notice the gaps in a space. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's necessary too. I think um, I always love to applaud not only black women, but just black people in, in general for the ingenuity and understanding that there's a brighter side to the uh, the holding back that so much society has done to us. Because that makes, we already had endless possibilities, but now it's so much low-hanging fruit that we still have to grab. <laughs> you know, that we can just, to get out the way to where we can go to. And, um, and that being really what it is. You know, really what our true scope 
of how much we can create for ourselves. I, I, I think about that all the time when it comes to particular initiatives. Uh, I listen to the uh, the read and they always are talking about different, you know, quotable like black excellence moments and talk about the first to ever do all these things because we still have first. <laughs> we still have first in so many things. We still have yet to truly check every single box. And that says so much about our, um, about just our existence and about how much we can still create for ourselves and and how much we really got to take care of us um, more than anything too. Um, But I love that. I love that. Is there something that you learned about, you know, from working in dispensaries or just being a person who loves weed is there any particular facts that you learned about weed that kind of surprised you? Because I know for me, I have one, but I want to okay. know if it's anything that you came across in your years of being a person who partakes, but also a yeah. person who has seen it in, from a business perspective as well. Is there yeah. anything that surprised you once you kind of start to learn more? Well, one, I think what shook me because I, I started consuming cannabis when I was in college. Um which I feel like is the case for a lot of people. (laughs) But I think one of the things I struggled with is like, you know, my friends and people that would have weed, it would always be like these blunts. And they were really harsh on me. Like I didn't really enjoy smoking. So it wasn't until I got into the cannabis industry and started learning more about products and how they were made that there was like, I was like, oh, there's like more than one way that you can consume cannabis, which was incredible to me because obviously most people who are not familiar, they see cannabis and they're like, oh, so you smoke. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. Like edibles are actually my, you know, consumption method of choice. But sometimes I want to take a tincture or sometimes I want want to, you know, use a infused lotion or infused, um, you know, like a, I have like this infused agave that I like to put in my tea in the morning. Like that's, Mm. and it's just like a nice way to like level set the day. I like (laughs) that. I might need to, I might need to get me some of that. Oh, that sounds good. It's black owned. It's called Unoya. Um, Unoya? I'm going to write that down right now. (laughs) They're going to get an order. They're going to get an order confirmation from me. I love it. Yeah, I think that was like one of the first things that was a very much a wow moment for me. And then two, working in the industry is how fucking rich the cannabis industry is. I've never seen so much money (laughs) in an industry like that, that for it to be a regulated good by the government, I was just like, wow, like the cannabis people are making coin. Um, And I tell this story often. Um, I won't say too much just because it's, it involves someone's personal life, but I remember um, working in the industry and one of our executives, they were having a housewarming party and they're mm. not that much older than me. Um, so I'm just thinking like everyone in this, this company, because we are also working at a cannabis startup is like making similar amounts of money. And I, w- I remember asking one of my colleagues, I was like, they invited us to their housewarming and I was like, how is, um, I was like, how is he going to fit everyone in his apartment? And then he looked at me, he was like, Jade, they're rich. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and then I remember <laughs> we were all like pulling up to this like side of Atlanta that I've never been to. I was like, where is this? <laughs> and then just like walking up this huge hill, hill. And I was like, oh, they rich, rich. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was amazing to me because I've never seen that type of wealth before. Yeah. And I didn't even know that you be, you could become wealthy from working in the cannabis so that was very alarming to me to say the least <laughs> that's real that's so yeah. real that's so real i love that though i love that you know 
it has that has the propensity to do that. I definitely want, you know, certainly want um, equity to be mm-hmm. a, a big part. Uh, and that's why what you what you two are doing is such a, a powerful part of it, because it's about truly chronicalizing the how this equity is honestly starting to grow and happen for people Absolutely. Uh, because people are finding out so much. One, it's a few things that I learned. Honestly, uh, when I remember I was Ubering, uh, I was Ubering, I picked up a group of doctors. And it was right around the time that uh, Canada and Michigan um, legalized weed. And I told them, I was like, they should, they should, I was like, somebody should just put a, a dispensary right on the border. You know what I'm saying? That just just make it a vibe, you know? And, uh, and they was like, that would be a great idea. And then the other one told me about a story how he got kicked out of Canada. And I was like, okay, that's great. But they told me about how, like, federal legalization is such a, would be so, would be, like, so uh, wonderful and lucrative if they had let it happen. Because he was yeah. like, we can only research to a certain degree. He was like, right. doctors who, we can only do oh so much research and testing of these yeah. particular products. He was like, what we know of weed and what weed does are, it's not even, we're only scratched the surface. Like right. we really haven't even been able to like push these yeah. things to the limit of where we can because they're not federally, it's not a federally, you know, regulated thing. And I was like, oh my God. And I, it made me, it just blew my mind because I already was learning more and more about all the various ways you can make things. I was for like, you know, just a year, year ago, a year or two ago, I found out about the magic butter machine, how they can, you could just infuse everything. And I would find out about, uh, I went to uh, Arizona last year for my birthday and the dispensary I went to in uh, Arizona, cause we was in, um, we was in Flagstaff. So we were like, at basically the highest elevation in Arizona and um, went to a dispensary locally in Flagstaff and they was like, hey, y'all just be, you know, just letting y'all know y'all don't got to do too much out here. You know, like you, you're like, you might, if I don't know what type of smokers y'all are, but you don't trust us. You do not got to do that much. And they were right. We, we, they were so right. We could, we, we were literally probably smoking more before the end just because we knew we couldn't carry it with us (laughs) because it was just like we didn't we really bought all this weed and barely did anything with it because we did not need that much we just did not need that much you was high as hell literally and figuratively and um it's just beautiful i love i love i love the the energy i love the vibe and i think it's very it has a transcendental aspect to it us connecting with nature us being able to utilize things that grow from the earth to our overall wellness. Um, I'm loving this as a movement as a whole, not even just when it comes to marijuana and cannabis, but just herbs in general, you know? Finding out that there's a combination of things you can smoke or smudge to change things for yourself, I think are necessary things for us and more uh, things we need to tap into because they're way more, you know, there's some ancestral aspects to it and there's just cultural aspects that it's like we don't even be doing what we need to do you know what I'm saying to like make our lives a little bit better and I've met so I'm like my friend who uh, my one of my best friends who like always preferred to drink over smoking told me about how he wants to drink less and I remember like I feel I feel like I gave him something he was just like damn I ain't want to drink all day I might need to start smoking <laughs> he was I don't even care to drink right now I was like yeah, you know maybe 
And that's a funny thing, too, because, you know, oftentimes when I'm in social settings, that's typically the circumstance because I'm not a drinker. So, like, you know, everyone would be like, Jay, do you want a glass of wine? I'd be like, no, I'm good. I have my little edible. Like, I'm good. Like, that is my glass of wine. But like you were saying, just like herbal medicine and, and the plant has been used like in indigenous and African communities for like centuries. So it's just like a return to our roots, literally. Yeah. <laughs> get to it get into it yeah you know what i'm saying get your weed going highly big believer of it big 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 believer of it and being here in chicago literally went to a dispensary just the other day here uh oh it, it's it's easier it's it creates and just seeing all the statistics around like how it does actually affect you know crime rating all these various things it's like it's a no-brainer i know y'all getting hella tax money out of people from this stuff. I know y'all getting, I bet y'all getting a whole lot more relaxed individuals that's just out here in the streets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I bet people are a little bit more calm because they know they got, it's like, man, I can't wait to get home. I got a joint waiting on me, so I'm gonna just, uh, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just, because I want to get home to it. So I ain't even gonna, I ain't gonna wild out. <laughs> I can imagine it probably motivating people to just get through the day, you know? Um, but no, before I let you go, uh, one thing that I like to do is, Send it on. And my send it on portion, I don't know if you can hear this nice smooth instrumental. I can. Great. Because I like I like to I like to set the you know, set the tone, <laughs> set the mood of it, you know? Um, but no, so my send it on, and we you kind of touched on it, but I definitely want you to give people some tangible approaches um to social media. But I wanna say like, what is the best ways that you believe a person can um, minimize their social media anxiety. Because I think there's enough about, I feel like there's so many things about how to be good at it. But I think the adverse and the symptom or the uh, side effect to being on social media so much is that we do, you know, do so much to ourselves internally and um, I just overall esteem. So please let people know, how would you minimize those anxieties around social media? The priority, I would say, is using social media more intentionally. Mm. I think a big part of that is going to be cleaning up your social media feed. And I say that very specifically because I'm a big believer that, like, you know, as we're scrolling, we're consuming so much content that sometimes we don't even know what we're actually looking at. And you don't know what type of, like, messages that you're getting seeping to your brain subliminally. So it's like you want to make sure that you're following accounts who have content that, like, serves what you're trying to accomplish in life it should feed your spirit whether that's through like comedy and it's bringing you joy or it's something that's inspiring you or helping you learn more like you have to make sure that the content on your feed is serving a purpose for your life because it's just if you're following a random accounts just because it's like oh this is what i want to be or this is what i do and it's not necessarily healthy for you that's not gonna show up for you. it's not gonna help you show up for yourself in your everyday life um so that's one thing using social media more intentionally and then also taking the breaks like it's not good for our eyes physically (laughs) to be on social media that much um but also just making sure that we do take that time to like go out uh, go outside and appreciate nature um because you can get very caught up when you're on the feeds all day so social media use more intentionally and going outside more (laughs) Mm, yeah go get some fresh air go get some vitamin d you know we need that. We need that. 
Um, I appreciate you so much, Jade. I really do. For not only the person that you are and the example that you are of a content creator, just doing it and seeming like you're having a good time doing it. We need that. <laughs> we need that. You know what I'm saying? And um, because I, I think people do stress themselves out trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know? And um, and I do believe that it's better on this side of things where you're not stressing and you're just creating. Um, mm-hmm. But no, tell everyone and everybody who's listening or watching how they can support you, follow you, get into you, all the different things. Please let them know. Yeah. Thank you. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jade Powell. I spell Jade with a Y. So J-A-Y-D-E. I P-O-W-E-L-L-L. And then my website, jadeipowell.com, where people can hire me to create content. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. No, no. And you can see all of those links right in the description of this episode as well. Make sure that you, if you don't know, you should know. You can follow me everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. Follow the podcast at Simply King Pod on IG as well as go and like and and comment and give responses on the Facebook page. And um, also my um, uh, business page on uh, Instagram as well at Life is King for all of your digital marketing and creative production needs. You feel me? You're trying to, you're trying to, trying to make some come call me. Let's create together. Um, and also new, new addition. And cause it's just, just in, I got to make sure I put this in my roller deck of things to say and promote for myself is, uh, make sure that you subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, at, it's Rodney Perry at, and also known as King on Patreon, uh, where you have three tiers to subscribe to. A lot of dope things, a lot of cool content. I'm unraveling more and more and more week to week to week. So get into it. So much BTS, so much exclusive content, but overall we just building and evolving around there. So come on and join the growing place. You feel me? Um, if you, uh, oh, also make sure that you uh, like, rate, and subscribe. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. I've been Rodney Perry, also known as King. This has been the incomparable Jade Powell. And this has been Simply King. Peace. Love to the right, out in the dark. Show me the light, it ain't that hard Do you suppose that we start long as we start somewhere?